Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's the it's about the players and how they play on the field. Um, the culture part of it was important to us. It's something that um, you know we uh, we feel strongly about because you know these this league's tough and it's it's a couple plays every game. So if we can have guys that are um, you know know what to expect in terms of the scheme, the philosophy, um, it's kind of the message gets down to everybody in the roster a little bit easier. So um, something we were conscious of, but I think like I said, number one is the, what they do on the field and what they. Um, what they can really give us on a day in and day out basis. Back, we're down the field, the world's largest very supported podcast. I'm Ty Shelter, he's Chris Burke, and this is the Athletics Detroit Lions podcast. Chris, uh, you've been patient. Uh, we, we didn't use that audio from Bob Quinn uh, coming at the, at the very end of the tail, co- uh, the tail end of the conference at the owners' meetings. Got in a question about Malcolm Brown, and uh, it, was just, it was just funny again because we, we usually don't get the questions. But uh, Bob kind of preempted, ah, "Yeah, Chris, you've been patient. Let's let you get one in." Yeah, I uh, <laughs> they had about like two or three questions before that. Uh, Eamon Reynolds, who's the head of PR, had sort of given us the this will be the last one, whatever, you know, just, and I yeah, like, yeah. looked at him. It's like, I get one more in. And he's yeah, no problem. Uh, and then th- three more people ask questions. So I was just kind of sitting there. <laughs> I'm not big on, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I need to be more aggressive in the press conferences. I don't like the, uh, like the shouting over guys to get oh, a question, yeah. <laughs> especially in that, like the setting here is, uh, you know, it was just Bob, um, like at a table on one of the terraces outside this, ridiculous hotel that the league meetings are at down here in phoenix so it was just him you know and like five six of us uh pretty intimate setting so I, it's not really uh one where i wanted to be <laughs> jumping over top yeah. everyone so yeah there's nice trees in the background you can see there's nice breeze blowing looked like a beautiful day not really the like you know gotham city courthouse steps where you know harvey dent harvey like what are you gonna do about the two-face and the you know like 82 reporters all <laughs> you know screaming or whatever it's like this this is this should have a little more natural flow to it but hey again Anytime we get any kind of Bob Quinn availability, it's 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 nice. And I thought your question was uh, really pertinent because, you know, obviously Quinn plays these close to the vest, declined to go into several st- strategery type questions, declined to go into several, hey, you know, how close are you on Antonio Brown? You know, what, what guys are you going to be bringing in for pre-draft workouts? Those sorts of questions. So a- anytime we can get a little glimpse into that, you know, you can't deny yeah, we signed a guy to an offer sheet. Right, yeah, and I was a little surprised. I was waiting for somebody else to ask it, frankly, <laughs> so earlier right? in the press conference. Um, so, was, you know, you get two or three in there uh, as it goes. So I just wanted to make sure we covered, well, mainly because I think everyone was a little surprised at just what the terms were on that Malcolm Brown offer because it didn't seem, you know, he's the guy the Rams liked. He played well for them when he was healthy. Like, it just seemed like a pretty easy match for them. Uh, and Bob Quinn kind of kind of confirmed that. I mean, he said, uh, you know, try to do some things to make sure, uh, maybe convince the other team to not uh, pick that up. And I think in their case, it was probably the guaranteed money that was tied to that. Um, but I don't know that that was a tough decision for the Rams to to match that offer. And uh, so you know, the Lions go forward looking for a running back somewhere else now. Yeah, this is the degree to which I was surprised by this. I thought. Detroit might make a play for the other guy named Malcolm Brown. 
like before they got to this Malcolm Brown, right? There's Malcolm Brown, one L, one L, all you copy editors out there. Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle, goes to the Saints on a three-year, $15 million deal. Here's a guy I think a lot of people had pegged as a potential Lions draftee when he came out originally because I think it was Bob Quinn's first draft class fit the Patriots mold, and indeed the Patriots did draft him, but they let him walk too. Um you know, obviously, with the emergence of Deshaun Hand and uh, the signing of Snacks and all that other stuff, probably wasn't any room on the interior interior to get a guy like Brown. Uh, but, you know, for, you know, that particular Malcolm Brown. But just from what Quinn said, uh, you know, he, he said they tried to make it hard for the Rams to match. I, I don't know. A lot of people said, you know, one million guaranteed over two years versus the tender, which was two million over one year. It, it didn't seem like that at all. What is the vibe you're getting from his comments and the facts of the matter in that running back room and where they're going from here? Yeah, well, I think again, I think from my perspective, it was probably the guaranteed money um, that you were looking at there. And I, I mentioned on Twitter, somebody had asked about this, and I said I think it was just more, almost more of a like check-in offer like do you still want this guy if not here we'll give him a million guarantee yeah let him come because uh uh, that tender offer you know when you when they give the those guys you know in-house if you put the tender on them um it's not guaranteed so you know that's 2.1 million whatever it is for this year but that's not that wasn't guaranteed money um so the lions were locking him into a million and the rams now have locked him into a million guaranteed at least so I think that was part of it, but it was more just, um, you know, let, letting the, the first wave of free agency settle a little bit. The Rams were getting kind of tight up to the cap, and it was more of, do you want to spend $2 million on your, you know, number two, number three running back? And if not, uh, you know, we'll take him off your hands. I think that's basically what it was. So it was a guy that they liked, and as Bob uh, Quinn said, it was, you know, a younger running back certainly fit um, the mold. But I, I also think you kind of look at um, – you know, he said this is the type of back we want in our room, and it's a, you know, he's a 220-pound back who runs downhill. So um, it wasn't mm-hmm. a carry-on Johnson clone that they are going after. So I don't know. Uh, you probably take something from that moving forward when you look at whether it's the guys that are still out there or the draft as potential uh, options to kind of pair with what they have in that backfield. Um couple other things i mean something i i'm pretty sure i heard it was your voice bring up earlier also the tight ends as we've talked about on this podcast um you know it was it was a one of the few very clearly stated needs we tried to upgrade this position and couldn't coming out of last year uh, obviously draft we've been talking about them possibly going even as high in the first round with the tight end spot couple of great playmakers in the first round area for the lions um, from his comments today, the fact that they continue to look at and sign tight ends, some of his comments about thinking that, that they can get more out of Jesse James than the Pittsburgh Steelers did. Uh, like, what What is your thoughts now, again, on this position, how you think they're going to approach it going forward? Yeah, I kind of I asked that question, you know, just because he said last year that they tried sort of every avenue. They, they tried to sign all the guys that were out there in free agency, more or less. We know that they tried to make the play for Rob Gronkowski. Um, which in hindsight they probably lucked out on it not happening yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah I mean I asked that because of just like just having some conversations around here um, you know the sense I got was that that I don't think what they paid Jesse James was outlandish or anything but 
um there's a sense it's that maybe significant man yeah i was it, gonna say it was, was more than i was expecting and i think that was it was more than what a lot of people were expecting i think and that was sort of why i didn't want to ask well it's you know did you overpay this guy or did you were you desperate <laughs> to get him to sign but that's sort of what i was going for like did you just knowing that you made some offers last year and missed did you maybe throw an extra couple million on the top of that jesse james deal to make sure they got him and um you know, like you said, uh, he said that they think that he can do more. I mean, there's a little bit of a concern probably, as he pointed out uh, in the, the little chat, as Bob Quinn pointed out, you know, he said they use Vance McDonald as sort of their passing down tight end. And so there's a little bit of concern there when you say, well, maybe Jesse, Jesse James is going to be that for the Lions. I don't know if that's true. I mean, he did have a really good yards per reception last year, but there's a concern when you take a guy and then say, well, he's going to be – better than he was for the team where yeah. you know, that the draft didn't develop and that was sort of what happened with luke wilson frankly <laughs> he said oh he goes behind jimmy graham I mean, once he gets out of there he's going to be a pass catcher yeah. and then we saw that worked out so yeah um but yeah i mean i think that uh they definitely like jesse james he said this so something similar about logan thomas you know they kind of like the upside there and think he's got some potential so we'll see i mean certainly with what they paid jesse james he's uh, at worst going to be their number two tight end and probably going to be their main inline tight end. So there's still room. Uh, you know, I don't know that they're banking on Logan Thomas to be their, you know, sort of movable piece at tight end. I think there's still something else to come there. I really like the story that he told about Thomas. What he said, yeah, we had him on our practice squad for like like 18 hours yeah. <laughs> yeah. a couple of years ago buffalo came and I, I tried to talk him into staying on the and i, I love that i let he's like yeah 99 times out of 100 that doesn't work but i love the idea of hey um i know they offered you an active roster spot right. that's gonna pay a minimum salary like eight times what you're making to be on a practice squad but let me pitch you on why you should stay on the practice squad here. i actually <laughs> like, i'd love to hear the you said, like he said, 99 times out of 100. I'd love to hear what that 100th time is where yeah. I would say, all right, I think I'll stick on the practice squad <laughs> Other than, as opposed to, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you have like a family that you've moved and like <laughs> they're yeah. good kids, or, I don't know what it would be. It feels like that's a pretty tough battle. If you're not going to promote the guy to your own active roster. Uh, I know there like have been some times because this, <laughs> this is the thing. Practice squad spots, they're sort of a gentleman's agreement league-wide and yeah. how much those guys get paid, but it's not actually in the CBA. You can pay the practice squad guys more than than they actually make, and there have been a couple documented cases. Um, I think the Bucks did it uh, three, four years ago with somebody, uh, you know, they went a little over scale in order to keep a guy around. And, and there was actually some kerfuffle. I should Google that up. Uh, did, don't, I don't have it queued up right now, but uh, you know, th there's sort of a, Hey, if these guys don't have their salary salaries regulated, we could suddenly get into bidding war over practice squad guys, which is not where anybody wants to be from a money spending perspective. But you know, Hey, if these guys have some market value, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the hundredth time you're like, look, dude i'll give you you know i'll right. split the difference between the league minimum for you know rookies or second year guys and 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 what we're gonna pay you as a practice squad guy i don't know yeah but, I, th uh, I think it's like oh, go ahead. i mean just less i think it's like it's like 7500 or 8000 per week on the practice squad is the minimum like you said they can go over that but usually that's what those guys are making and then the league minimum for a rookie last year was 480000 so you you know 
do the math on <laughs> what the yeah. difference is there. But it's it's not a small number. I mean, it's a pretty significant jump from practice squad to even just being, you know, guy 53. Even if you're there for a week or two, you, you know, you might make as much as you would uh, really <laughs> almost a whole year on the practice now, squad. Now I picture, did Brad Kaya get the, the hey, man, like – Ypsilanti, you know, Washtenaw County, you know, you can, you can stay home. You, you don't need to go to Carolina. You don't need to go to Indianapolis. Just stay here on the practice squad. Uh, that would have been fun to, to be on a fly, fly on the wall for that pitch. But uh, so, you know, they did sign a couple of other guys, cornerback Marcus Cooper and uh, offensive lineman Andrew Donnell. And, and kind of the interesting one, wide receiver Tommy Lee Lewis. And of course, this is this is the greatest seg in the world because after you are at the heart of the royal screw job that has everybody talking about the NFL rule changes, yeah. like man, this is like however many times in a row the refs or the officials or the league has screwed over the Saints. I got to get out of New Orleans, man. <laughs> I'm going to Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> like what? It's 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 kind of a tough look for the only the only team that's gotten more weirdo calls against them or 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 real time uh, adjustments. Tommy Lee Lewis coming to the Lions and uh, you know a couple of different people have done roster breakdowns and, and where he kind of fits. Uh, and, and once again, it seems like the Lions have you know three guys locked down solid in place and like five guys that are right there for number four. Yeah, and they, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more. I mean, there's the report that Dontrell Inman was in for a workout. He'd be more of uh, that's right. that's sort right. of the, the outside uh, receiver, sort of the backup to Marvin Jones and, and Kenny Galladay, I would assume. I mean, Tommy Lee Lewis, the thing, I mean, he could be on the roster and, I, I mean, technically be a wide receiver, but I think he'd be taking him as much for special teams, maybe the return game as anything else. Um, I, I Maybe play him in the slot a little bit. I mean, I mentioned the, the interesting thing for me is I tweeted out, like, uh, Kenny Galladay credits him for a, a lot of what he learned at Northern Illinois. Like that was the guy, that, oh. like uh, a mentor to him. Um, you know, he said they still talk every day. Um, you know, Tommy Lee Lewis played outside, even though he was smaller at Northern Illinois. Um, and uh, talk, you know, Galladay credited him with like teaching him routes and and all these things. So uh, that that's sort of an interesting dynamic to bring in these guys that. You know, maybe your younger players know. I don't know that how much that played into effect. But, um, yeah, I, and again, like you said, they have their sort of top three now in, in Jones, Galladay, Amendola. And then well, there's probably going to be some battles in camp. <laughs> Brandon Powell's still there. You know, they promoted Chris Lacey late last year on the outside. So, and again, I don't think they're done. I mean, I think they could draft a slack guy. I think, you know, Dontrell, someone like Dontrell Inman certainly makes sense with TJ Jones moving on. Like, he would fill that type of role so um yeah yeah i mean this is not we don't have the full picture yet absolutely not well we're gonna get a little fuller picture of phoenix owners meetings where everything's going on where you are and where we will be when we come back here on backward down the field the world's largest air supported podcast
you like what me and Chris Burke do on Backward Down the Field, you gotta subscribe to The Athletic Detroit. Get full access to all of Chris's incredible insider coverage, plus all of The Athletic's sister sites all around the country, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA. Believe me, it's more than worth the few dollars to subscribe to TheAthletic.com. You will not regret it. Chris, Sky Harbor Airport is my least favorite airport maybe my least favorite place in the world not necessarily because it's that bad of an airport but because i spent my worst night ever probably in my life Uh trying to sleep on those weirdo connected seats like the like 60s (laughs) pan am modular folding chairs whatever those things are i I had a very rough night on those benches uh when i i missed a connecting flight uh it was it was it was not good i was i was woken by the you know like 4 30 by the hash browns at the mcdonald's there so i i'm hoping (laughs) your travel and accommodations are a little bit better yeah i mean i don't have any uh complaints about the airport (laughs) itself um (laughs) you know these uh these owners meetings are always at pretty swanky locations it's over at the the uh, Arizona yes. Biltmore Resort, which I am not staying at, but I'm close <laughs> enough. Uh, I'm, a, I'm about a mile and a half away, so I actually walked uh, there and back nice. from my hotel, get outside. You know, nice. I can, I'm sitting here recording. I can see, uh, you know, the Camelback, I think it's the Camelback Mountain uh, behind me. So, um, Very nice. Some climbing over here. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. It's, uh, it was, uh, it's like 80, but uh, like 15% humidity, which... I, I don't know that Michigan's Ooh. ever been <laughs> in my life been below like 40%. So uh, it's uh, and certainly not at 80 degrees. No, no. no. So it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, they put them in the, the swankiest locations. There's a golf course there, which I'm assuming is where the, uh, the coaches always have like a, I think it's a, I think it, it's either Tuesday or Wednesday morning have like a, the coaches go play like a little tournament amongst themselves while the owners all have, meetings about the rules and things like that so um yeah i mean it's a it's a it's the nfl has these weird (laughs) these weird weeks that are just like sort of surreal uh where everyone's in one location and it's like half vacation for everyone and half super serious (laughs) like league matters and so this is uh one of them for sure so some super serious league business to attend to. Tommy Lee Lewis, again, at the heart of this one. Instant replay changes, among several other things, being considered competition committee. Sean Payton is on it. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> uh, but even though the, they have instant replay uh, for, for pass interference going up, instant replay for everything going up, none of these necessarily would have directly applied to that Saints situation. Um I'm gonna preface this by saying I used I have been I've been pounding the table for instant replay for pass interference for a long time because you know unlike something like holding I mean it's it's not unlike holding but you know holding occurs a little bit on every play is it away from the direction of the play you know refs kind of let guys get away with two or three maybe give them a warning kind of thing you know they kind of they kind of feel that out pass interference is a little more cut and dry and it's something that happens in isolation you know i think the wide receiver cornerback matchup 
is as close to a pitcher batter confrontation as there is in football. You know, it's it's just those two guys going at it, you know, especially on a deeper ball. You know, you, there's no pick, there's no rub at the line, nothing like that. It's like, okay, two guys running downfield. How does this go down? I think it's pretty clear. I think there's an objective standard. I think you can get to it, especially because it is a spot foul. It's something you want to get right. And, you know, I, I know that a lot of people have tried to suggesting they should do the college rule and just make it 15 yards. But the reason why it's a spot foul is because presumably if they hadn't clobbered the dude before the ball got there, he would have made that catch. And I think Tommy Lee Lewis would have asserted that if he didn't get head and blown off the field of play and he just got to catch that ball, the ball would have been spotted there. So that's where, that's where it is where it is. But at the same time, the more we expand instant replay and the more we see it go haywire, the more I'm understanding NFL decision makers hesitance to give themselves the power. And, you know, it's really weird. These guys who've been in football their entire lives going, look, every decision we make is a Pandora's box. Every time we think we've got this fixed, you know, 17 things go wrong. Every time we try and straighten stuff out, we turn around and step on a rake and it, and it smacks us in the face. So now we just don't want to change anything because we, we have no faith in our own ability to make decisions. What is your, number one, what's your personal take on this? And number two, what is your feeling on either of these proposals? Do you think anything is going to get done? Uh, you know, I, I sort of go back and forth personally because I think there are some intricacies to it, like the, making it 15 yards and like, I don't, I don't think defensive holding should be an automatic first down. If offensive, you know, there's just like certain things in, in these rules yeah. that are very bizarre. Um, that was one actually that Glover Quinn went off on at one point last year. Like, if you get, if it's fourth and third, you know, third and fifteen, you get called for a five yard penalty. Why is it an automatic first down? Um, right, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the. Um, uh, I don't know. It, it's tough to get a feel like. Bob Quinn talked about this too, you know, and, and I get the f- sense that the Lions might be one of those teams that's a tough sell because his his argument was, well, we really try to consider all the unintended consequences behind these rules, and for yeah. a team that, you know, this is the Lions defense that is going to want to play physical and it's going to want to play, you know, get the hands on the receivers and like, are we going to vote for a rule that's going to burn us in a key spot <laughs> later this year yeah. just because it, it's the lions and it probably will. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I, I think that it sounded like, you know, there's so many different variations of this too, like challenging the non-call on a pass interference. I don't know that that one, is going to have enough legs like challenging and pass interference to take it away is another option. I, it's just, there's a lot going on with these rule proposals. And I, I think that that's part of the problem is that like the NFL knows how bad it looks when something like that happens, but is there really a good fix for it? I don't think they want to bring like, you don't want, you watch them like even the March madness games where they're like, Oh, did that ball go off the fingertip of or the somebody? And it's a <laughs> yeah. five and a half minute review. Like the NFL doesn't <laughs> want to get into this where every little thing is reviewed, but at the same time, you can't have that situation like in the saints game. So, um, I don't know. What do you like? You, you don't want, you do want expanded pass interference replay, but is I, there like a line in the sand for how much 
replay you can handle. In a- yeah, no, and I, and I think it's one of those situations where I think, I think one thing you got to do is there's got to be, and I don't know if it's an actual rule, but there's got to be something in the league office. Somebody's got to kill the super slow-mo. Like, like I think a big part of the problem is now we get 4K, super-duper ridiculous slow-mo, and it totally changes, you know, when they're talking about a time element to whether or not you possess the ball for a catch. How do you judge that time element when you're looking at it at 10 times slowed sure. down? You know, those sorts of things where stuff that at full speed looks one way, you slow it down and you go, oh, no, you you can, you know, yeah, he had time to make that, you know, that move or, oh, yeah, no, definitely. That was like the, eh, but you watch it again at full speed. It's a bang, bang play. Um, So I I think there's some of that. I think they've gotten themselves caught way too much in in some of those minutiae that are only born of... um, I, I, I'm actually, this is the first one that came to my mind. It's actually a baseball example from a few years ago. Uh, somebody was sliding into oh, third. God. <laughs> and it hit their foot. Their okay. foot hit the base. <laughs> and just the natural recoil of the bag and the tendons in their leg. It was like foot hits base. Next frame, glove hits leg. Yeah. And then, like the recoil means that you could see like the like a, a pixel of space between the cleats <laughs> and the bag before the bag resumed its shape and the guy's tendon snapped back. And they're like, "Oh well, see, no, because for you know the the most infinitesimal quantum of time, his foot was not in contact with the bag, but the glove was in contact with his leg, so he's out." And it's like, "No." did the runner beat the ball that's the you know that he beat the tag that's the decision baseball's been decided that way for 130 years you know that this this technology so it's the same kind of thing where sometimes you're sitting there going did the tip of his shoe touch that blade of grass yeah well, baseball's not the standard. made right he's got baseball's get, made a mess of it yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's that like that stuff they have been like they got rid of the neighborhood play at second base you know where the guy like second baseman or shortstop would come across on a double play and like right leave early because he didn't want to get killed by a guy coming in <laughs> spikes right. up and now now yeah. that, that they don't have that and like hockey added the hockey uses it like uh, plays get called back all the time now because a guy will be like a fraction of an inch offside uh you know there's all oh, these little yeah. things it's just they've gone so far and i think they, like i said i think the nfl wants to avoid doing that and actually if you go through these proposals most of them wouldn't even necessarily fix what happened in that saints game because they're really right. reluctant right. to add like challenge where you could add a penalty it'd be challenging to take away a penalty and they the, you know some discussion of that and like player safety penalties like was this um, really roughing the passer, or what, like that's where they they'd be more trying to correct uh, flags that shouldn't have been thrown, and they don't really have a way to fix flags that haven't been thrown yet. So I don't know that any of them. Are, I think it's going to be hard necessarily to pass um, any of them. I mean, I think the other one that's kind of interesting though is the fourth and fifteen or the, the yeah. whatever, like the onside kick yeah. rule, which um that was the one specifically Bob Quinn was asked about that he said, well we gotta look at the unintended consequences because basically it would be um I guess either you could onside kick or you could t- have one play from whatever you know, like your own thirty or whatever yard line it is to go 
fourth and it had to be a fourth and fifteen situation instead of an onside kick. Uh, I cannot imagine that one passes, but it's interesting. Well, because wasn't that uh, wasn't that the one John Mara said was oh we're now you know we're not the Arena Football League you know it's too gimmicky kind of a thing, um, but that's that's why I'm I'm low key rooting for it because I think they're going to have to come up with some of these, especially as the league tries to you know, whittle away at special teams and get more of the kicking game uh, and really more of the let's have 22 guys run at full speed from opposite ends of the field at each other phase of the game. Yeah, Uh, And the AAF has that fourth and 15 rule. Yes. The AAF has tried that. And like, so it is, yeah, like I said, it is interesting to kind of think outside the box. I just, and and last year onside kicks were, horrendous the lions yes. got one horrible somehow uh, like by a fluky play yeah. you know recovered one but there's almost no chance of getting one anymore because you can't get a running start you have to keep a certain number of guys on each side of the ball like you're basically i mean you're putting four or five guys um you know f- from a standstill trying to cover 10 yards before the ball gets there and it's almost impossible now um so i i, I get why they're trying to make these adjustments but then again like how deep into the weeds do you want to get you put in the fourth and 15 then someone you know so okay now it's fourth and 15 from the 30 there's 30 seconds left you're trailing you've got this weird rule (laughs) he gives you a chance to get the ball back you throw a pass there's a flag the team challenges that shouldn't have been pass interference then the uh, like it's just how how much do you want to like litigate every play in the in football you know like at some point it's better to just reduce it. The NF, part of the problem with the NFL is that the rule book is ridiculous. Like, if you actually go through and read that thing, oh, it's like the Bible. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's oh, there's yeah. like all the chapters in the Bible about, uh, like, so and so beget, so like the, the, the lineages of families. Like, that's what it feels oh, like. Oh, yes. Re- reading through uh, some of the NFL rules. Like, you can go through there. Some play will happen once a year where you got to go back and be like, where is th- this? Is actually in there somewhere? <laughs> you know, they yeah. pull it up and show it on the screen. And so I think well, that. And the, and the, you know, just stuff like one of the things for me is like, if you read the section on like offsides versus neutral zone infraction, you know, all this stuff. There's so many caveats and carve-outs and acceptable rulings, um, which the acceptable rulings are like this whole, it's, it's literally case law is what it is. Like, okay, yeah. let's imagine this pretend scenario. Here's how you would rule it. And that's right. like as an appendix with like footnotes. And if someone doesn't rules, think of a, of a, if you don't consider something that might happen, then, <laughs> then you get into these trouble spots. Like, so exactly. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what and a mess they made of the rule book. Well, like it used to be like the offsides. Well, it's okay. Yeah, if you jump offsides, as long as you get back, but before the ball is snapped, you're good. And then they're like, oh, well, like, unless you touch somebody, then it's encroachment. And then they're like, oh, unless by jumping offsides <laughs> right. and not stopping, we think the quarterback is in trouble, in which case we'll blow the play dead. Unless the quarterback is Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, in which case we'll let them have a free play. You know, like there's all these things. It's like, okay, well, you know, there's there's so many opportunities. Where, hey, how about it's just a penalty if you cross the line of scrimmage before the ball snapped, period. Why do you need to have 32, you know, permutations of this? Just make it a penalty to just- 
<laughs> jump. Uh, you know, so yeah, there's there's so many things where they've tied themselves in knots and, and, and created all these contradictions where they used to be. And I'm just the same way as the NFL, where I think pass interference should be a spot foul and it should be reviewable because there are plenty of times when it's it's clearly not called or clearly called when it shouldn't be and replay could fix some very you know could right some real wrongs but at the same time this could this could get real ugly real fast my yeah my Uh, only my my only contention there is i i think there are a lot of plays where if you and it you as you said you don't want to like narrow it down frame by frame but there are a lot of plays where if you went back and looked, you could talk yourself into pass interference. 100%. 100%. Uh, almost all of them, frankly, unless it's a drop <laughs> or an overthrow. Yeah. I mean, you could well, talk yourself into say, something. The reply guys on Twitter, think of every time someone screen capped something right. and sent it to somebody and been like, well, look at this. Was this not holding? You know, like, okay, you know, yeah, sure, maybe that was holding, but, like, is the, is the ref going to call that in that spot? Is there, you know, yeah, if you go back and rewind and replay in HD and slow-mo, you know, yeah, you can find holding on a lot of different plays. Same thing with this, where you're going to be like, oh, well, I, I freezed it here. Yeah. Sure looks like that. And then imagine if that's actually how they're calling the plays <laughs> in games. That's... Yeah, I just, I have complaints. I I mean, I think replay as it's used across pretty much every sport at the moment is sort of fundamentally broken. So I have like my own complaints in general. Like I think it should be, I I think there should be like a minute clock on it. You show the ref three, three angles. And like that's, if you can't tell off those three angles, it's not indisputable and you move on. Like I think I have these complaints about just sort of how it's used. And like you said, it's been so... Uh, some of the situations are just so specific in other sports that I think there's a concern for the NFL to go down that road. And the other thing is, you know, like the way basketball uses it, like this is, and NFL does this to some degree too, but like this play is only reviewable in the last two minutes of a half, or, you know, whatever it is. Basketball does that all the time. Like the out-of-bounds plays are only reviewable in the last two minutes. Um, I mean, it, are plays that happened 10 minutes earlier that less like as a possession less important 10 minutes or like i don't know i just think there's really there's a lot a lot of gray area and i think you also have you know you mentioned sean payton being on the competition committee by and large the people voting on this are people that have been in the league for 30 40 50 years and like it as old school as possible and so the thought of turning the game over to like the thousands of video cameras in the stadium are is pretty objectionable for a lot of people on that making those votes absolutely but i think uh you know turning turning the discourse over to what everybody can see you know when the conversation during after and the day after the game is all about the refs and all about the rules and all about the interpretations and not about the great football that's being played i think that's something you have to take absolutely seriously you know what we take seriously around here we take seriously our listeners our supporters you guys are fantastic just a couple weeks ago got another great five-star review steve mcqueen 13 great lions podcast on itunes this is a really good lions podcast it's a good length very knowledgeable hosts and they tend to discuss the questions that lions fans have if like me you have the burden of being a lions fan don't recommend it <laughs> I do recommend this podcast. Thank you, Steve McQueen13. 
appreciate it. We do handle the questions that you guys have. And actually, KingKunta93 on Twitter uh, popped up a question. We talked about it a little bit before. Does the Inman visit tell us anything on the Lions' strategy? You know, Chris, uh, you and I agreed. It's It means they're not done there at the wide receiver position. But real quick, our last thing here, I think I want to spin it toward, you know, you said they could draft a slot guy. Is that the only thing that they could be drafting? Could could they draft an outside guy? Could there be more moves possibly being made at that wide receiver spot? Yeah, I mean, I think everything's on the table at this point. I I mentioned in the past, like I thought Marvin Jones maybe could be a move. I think that that's one that if it happens would be more next off season. But still, you're looking ahead. Kenny Galladay's got to, you know, you're gonna have to get an extension for him in the pretty near future. Jones's contract's up after 2020, and we also saw. You know, you look back to last year, once they traded Golden Tate, then Marvin got hurt, and it was pretty barren out there. So I think that some of this is just mm-hmm. trying to get depth. I mean, Danny, Danny Amendola is a fine possession receiver, but teams aren't scheming around Danny Amendola. So you still need a couple guys. I think we saw what Dontrell Inman can do You know, in, in some, some work last year with the Colts. Like You need some guys that could step up. Uh, for a game or two, if you need him, I mentioned T.J. Jones was was one of those guys to a degree, and uh, so I think that they'll. I I won't I wouldn't rule out anything at this point. I think that they have some flexibility with sort of how they can use those guys, um, and so if they really like a big receiver on the outside, it wouldn't shock me if they drafted a big receiver and used, you know, Galladay more in the slot or cut back Marvin Jones's snaps or something. So I think it's. It's pretty much wide open, and I think that's the way that they were hoping it would be at this point. Wide open. We're going to keep it wide open. We are going to continue to accept your questions, ratings, reviews, subscriptions, likes, subscribes, however you want to do it. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you got someplace else that you want us to be on, you let us know. We will make it happen. It's a pleasure to do this for you guys. We want to keep doing it. Subscribe to the athletic if you are not doing that i don't know why chris's coverage is fantastic especially right now during basketball season the michigan and michigan state people have been killing it you got to get on the national stories from the athletic inc all that great stuff comes with a subscription they're running another promo on the annual special the annual deal is a great deal all those things go to theathletic.com and subscribe and we'll keep doing it we'll see you here shortly on backward down the field the world's largest air-supported podcast. And hit the thing.